0: Hey everybody! Welcome to the bloody awesome movie podcast. I'm John Burke, and with me from across the pond is Matt Hudson from WhatIWatchTonight.co.uk. Matt, how are you doing today?
1: Sorry, John, you caught me in the caught me at the end of my dancing. Then it's like my last dance of the night, but oh, let me just uh, wipe this sweat from my brow. I'm doing very well. I'm doing good. Uh, another week, another BAMP episode, another movie. It, it's not a bad deal really but i'm doing well it's uh it's half term over here in the uk which means the kids are off school and i am off work not be- well because of that but i have to have vacation holiday um which i'll mention more later on so i'm in i i'm in good spirits i'm in good uh health and i'm uh, looking forward to talking about tonight's energetic flick but i must know how are you my friend are you keeping florida safe and well and have you been dancing
0: it's well it's magical over here right now and you know uh <laughs> it's it's hot and yet not hot at the same time it just seems to vary uh, minute by minute over here in in florida and that's uh the wonder of the the world we live in um but yeah you know uh keeping keeping uh, all the energy up and trying to be positive uh feeling a little drained but we have a three-day weekend coming up so that's exciting nice. uh because well, President's Day, um, it's funny how many people go. Why do we have a three day weekend? And then you say President's Day, and they look at you blankly, just like what? Mm. Why? Um, it, you know, I'll take it. Uh, I need a three day weekend. Um, but folks, if you may have caught, you may not have caught what we're here to review. Uh, this week is Magic Mike's Last Dance. Um, this is the new Steven Soderbergh film, written by Reed Carolyn. Uh, which I'm a little surprised it wasn't written by Soderbergh because he's been so involved in this trilogy.
1: I think, um, I think Reed wrote all of the films. I think so I, that'd probably be why
0: that makes sense. Um, I guess I, I just, in my head, Soderbergh's just in charge of all of it. Uh, especially the second film he didn't direct, but he's like the cinematographer, the editor, the producer. So it's oh, like,
1: he's on board, isn't he? Yeah.
0: yeah. Are you sure he didn't direct? Um, <laughs> but this one, uh, there's a major cast change in this one. Cause really the only returning member is Channing Tatum. Um, Really, I mean, in the big picture things, we won't get into spoilery territory yet. But Selma Hayek uh, joins the cast as and takes kind of a lead role. Um, I'm going to butcher some names to follow. Um, oh boy, I'm definitely going to mess this one up. Uh, Ayub Khan Din, nice one. Maybe as Victor, uh, which I feel is necessary because a lot of the, there's a lot of people in the cast list on IMDb, and it's it's not major characters. It's yeah. like who is that person? I don't know. So I I went. Real hard on the Wikipedia trying to make sure we talked about the the actual prominent characters that have lines of dialogue. Um, Jamila George as Zadie. Is Zadie the daughter? Yes. I thought so, but I got confused because I um I just watched Arrival last week with my students, and the daughter in that is named Hannah. So when Hannah came up on the list here, I was really thrown. I was like, wait, wait, is the daughter in this movie Hannah? Oh, I still um, haven't watched Arrival. Damn it, you've reminded oh, me. Man come on Buy Juliet M- uh, matamed as hannah vicky pepper pepperdine as edna um and alan cox as roger uh, there's a few other characters and there. there's a lot of other actors in this movie but they don't all have names or they don't have actual dialogue um i think a few of the dancers might say a couple of words um the imdb synopsis mike takes to the stage again apparently for the last time Following a business deal that went bust, leaving him broke and taking bartender gigs in Florida, where most of the movies are set. Mike (laughs) heads to London with a wealthy socialite who lures him with an offer he can't refuse. I can't believe that's in the synopsis. Um, I feel like we should retire the phrase he can't refuse at this point. But nevertheless. Yeah, I mean, he uh, could refuse if he really wanted to. He kind of tries to, um, but she (laughs) won't accept no. Uh, 46% Rotten Tomato score. Uh, From critics, 75% audience score, though. 52 Metascore, 5.9 INDB user score, and 2.9 on Letterboxd. Now, um, this is currently only in theaters. And I went out of my way to see this because my local theater, for whatever reason, did not get it this weekend. But, Matt, here's what makes me most mad. You know when they finally decided to add it to our theaters? uh, The day after you saw it? Two days after, on Valentine's Day. Oh, come on. Why, why, why movie theater would you wait four days? It came out on Friday. You literally took box office dollars out of your, your hands and waited till balance. Like if I I understood if they weren't going to get it at all, like, is if they were like, oh, we're a conservative theater now, we're not going to get a movie about a male stripper. If that was the stance cool but it clearly wasn't because they got it four days later
1: on a tuesday no less like, like, what I what is that it on valentine's day i get that Which... because of the magic Michaelis yeah. of it all but not but don't but drop people, it on valentine's day
0: if people wouldn't like you know what i'm saying like putting it on tuesday d- only made some people not see it at your theater i would have gone to my local theater instead of driving 45 minutes Absolutely. and then having to pay for tickets because i have unlimited at my local theater instead I've dropped twenty one dollars now I'll say um my screening I think was the type of screening you want to see this movie with uh it was almost a sold out no I'm sorry it was a sold out show um we got have- the last two seats that were together that weren't the front two rows okay um because it was the theater it has reserved seating and I almost was like oh uh there's you know i don't know if there's any seats together except for the front two rows and then they opened up I'm like great we'll take these I, I ordered them online in advance my wife and i went it was a packed house and that to me this is a movie that's it's got sexy shanning tatum there's males they're not supposed to be strippers but it, they do become strippers
1: they're dancers turned strippers almost aren't they
0: which they're way too quick to do right like <laughs> they were just dancers and they're all of a sudden like quick to they're do. completely fine with being strippers all of a sudden, which is not to, in no way am I casting judgment on strippers, but I am pointing out that it's not something you casually become like that, they, they, it's a different well, vibe. Yeah.
1: If somebody walked into your classroom, John, watched your, watched you give a lesson and then gave you a business card, which said come to this theater and then you found it were going to be a stripper. I mean, I'm sure you'd be like, cool.
0: Okay. In, no I, I personally would be we don't like, be what, there d- till i think right now now before we get it any more into this film, i know we kind of already started to alluding to some of the uh things that i take issue with with this film um yeah, yeah, yeah. let's talk about our relationship to this franchise because uh, okay. i don't believe we've covered either movie on this podcast uh, at any we more, haven't one no. was long before and the other one i just saw for the first time last week uh so i i will willingly admit when the first one came out i was way too i don't want to watch men's strip vibe like Mm -hmm. that was my attitude at that time so i definitely did not see it when it first came out um but i did watch it in uh the last six years during the burke review uh era where i was much more open to all types of films and trying not to uh make any assumptions that i wouldn't like something um i still do that i try not to though but i definitely go into some films like or i skip some films thinking i won't like it it's not Uh, true but yeah, I mean, there's only there's so, only so much time, anyways, right? So we need reasons to not give all of our time every second. But uh, when I watched Magic Mike the first time, I was really impressed because I didn't know it was going to be such a serious film. It's a
1: it's a drama, essentially, isn't it?
0: Yeah. Now, unfortunately, Alex Pettifer doesn't do much in that movie. He kind of he brings it down a bit in a in a bad way. But there's enough in that film that I th- I found very quality. You definitely see Soderbergh's filmmaking. Yeah. It's really good, much better than I would have ever expected but i had heard at the time that double xl wasn't worth it and i think it was even more that soderbergh wasn't directing and so i was kind of like well it's it's just a it's a cash grab sequel i didn't realize any of the things i said earlier that he's the cinematographer he's very much hands-on um and that while it is kind of a cash grab sequel they kind of took what was the best part of the first movie and focused on it in the second film so it's a lot of fun uh it's not a drama the dance sequences are incredible. Like the the last 20, 30 minutes of, of the, of double XL is just dancing mm-hmm. and it's phenomenal choreography that actually pays off characters. It's, it's a musical in so many ways.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that.
0: This one, I went in hopeful, but uh, let's, I, I like the first two. I actually think Double XL is more fun. I think the first one is a better movie um, overall, but I have no major qualms with the second one. like I, I think it drags a little bit in the middle, but for the most part, I think it's it's a perfectly passable story. It's very straightforward. Here's the it's a road trip movie. It, it really, really works. What are your thoughts of the uh, the first two magic mics? Are you a fan of that franchise? actually not a million
1: miles from yourself when the first one came out the way it's marketed it did feel like it was marketed to a specific demographic and i thought well, maybe that's not me um but like you when i actually watched it and realized that this was a a drama basically um about these guys who have these who, who who are in these roles or being put into these positions um and the story that came from it and like you say Soderbergh's direct it's such a cool way of directing film Soderbergh has mm-hmm. uh, and the two work Channing Tatum since then that was what 11 years ago since then Channing Tatum I think we've already seen is a very decent actor in his own right especially when he's put in a right role uh he's got a charisma about him he's very likeable damn can the guy dance as well um Magic Mike was very good M- Magic Mike XXL yeah there there is a shift there but I but it holds up I think um I think it still works. I don't think it it, it it strays a wee bit from the formula of the first film, which we could yeah. also then obviously apply to this, uh, the last dance, but Magic's Mike's last dance, sorry. But no, X X L is a de- is a decent film. It's a good film. I always find it odd that it's Gregory Jacobs, I think, who directs it. When I mean, for he's more of a producer or a assistant director from pretty much all of his career. So for him to come on on this and director he produced the first film i just thought it was a very odd choice but he's gone to work with um channing tatum quite a few times actually since magic mike in terms of mm-hmm. producing his film so the two clearly have a rapport but yeah no i uh slightly late to the party but i i like the first two films i like the first one a lot i think the second one has got very has very good merit to it and then it comes to the third one john so you know what did you think of this one
0: Well, I felt the need to preface. We don't always go into that much detail about our feelings of the movies that are related to. Sometimes we do. But I wanted to really establish that I like the first two. So when I say I don't like this one, it's not just because it's not for you. Like, no, it's I don't like this one because there's fundamental problems in its storytelling. And that's what irritates me, especially because Soderbergh is at the helm because I'm like, what is happening? Why are we doing the things that we're doing? And there's so much setup and so little payoff that it's even more aggravating when you look at the, the, there is a very simple story structure that they could have used that they don't, which I'm okay with. Like, if you want to go big, you want to experiment, you don't want to fall into the norm. Great. If you nail it, if you screw it up and I'm looking at a movie that I see such a simple, straightforward story then I'm aggravating. Cause I'm like, dude, why did you make it so convoluted when you have a very simple thing? The biggest problem is in the name of this movie. Because the, if you see the trailer, the implications are Mike meets this woman. She has the ability to offer him the dream job. The only problem is nowhere in this movie is it – nowhere in the three movies is it ever established that this job that he's offered is his dream at all in mm-hmm. fact i would say he's very much opposed to this and just goes with it <laughs> uh, yes he's winging and it, it's like for the most part which okay i'm not opposed to that but that there's no like sense of urgency from either character because neither of them seems to really know what they want and it's like all it would have needed was in the op- like the opening can be exactly the same and when they're having their pillow talk he should express, "Well, I always wanted to have this big show. I, I've envisioned this thing," and then her the next morning go, "I can make that happen, right?" Nope, that's not what this movie does. Instead, we get voiceover narration from the daughter, who I guess is describing that sucks. Mike <laughs> from his novel. Like, her is that the novel that she was writing now? No. Did she write uh-huh. the double, the Last Dance novel, like? It makes Stunk. <laughs> so much no sense that it's it's just like, dude, why would you go this hard to make the story complicated when it doesn't need to be? Because again, at the end of the day, we are there for the expert choreography. And let's be honest, a lot of my crowd was middle-aged women. They're there to see sexy men. I'm fine with that. Let's do it. Let's get them up there. Get their shirts off. Have them dancing because it's engaging. It's entertaining. It's, it's titillating. But- that's not even what this movie does. We get two actual dance numbers that are both incredible. Yeah, like oh okay. yeah. Yeah. C- closing dance number incredible choreography. It doesn't make any sense to the 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 world, especially when we talk in spoilers because there will be a spoiler episode because I have so many things to say. Oh yeah. But the the finale dance number is incredible. The opening dance is is so like almost. I'm like, is this is this okay in theaters? I feel like this is yeah, like very seductive. W- yeah, very and long. It's such a long dance, and it's even there's there's a lot of humor. There's a lot of like Channing Tatum charm and then Selma Hayek charm, which are they're both tremendous. I love both of them, and that's I think why I'm so m- upset with this movie. Really, like I wasn't even like genuinely mad when I left. I just the more I've thought about, it, I'm like it's such a miss it's this should be a home run like the formula is there the talent is there the the fact that it's just over complicated and not even in like a fun way where it's like over complicated and like why why what are you going for did you like not see a movie this movie the story of this literally could be singing in the rain again like if you take the, the dual romance of Singing in the Rain, the two like kind of polar opposites, one's rich, one's not, and then how they mesh and how they fall for each other and how like they use their natural talents to fix a show that's struggling, all of that is in this movie and not used. And there's even Dancing in the Freaking Rain, Matt, that's in the movie. It's like this is Soderbergh's opportunity to make his musical, like his striptease version of Singing in the Rain. And he drops it. Maybe he doesn't want to make that. I understand that. But it's right there. It's literally here. So to me, it's like he wanted to and then just didn't get Singing in the Rain? Like, I don't understand. Because, again, Steven Soderbergh, I I like a lot of his movies. I don't think he's been 100% by any means. But this feels like something major like there has to be a cut of this movie with stuff that makes more sense because there's so much that feels unfinished like they introduce ideas that never come to fruition and it's baffling and again if this were one of those sequels where it was just dancing that wouldn't be my complaint because I would totally get why they would make a movie with like no plot and just dancing like double XL kind of was like the plot in double XL is really basic yeah uh, it's basically pitch perfect. Like it's, oh, we have a big event that we have to get ready for. So we're going to show them getting ready for the event. Cool. I like that formula. Those are entertaining things. Because why are we watching Pitch Perfect? For the cool song numbers. That's yes. why we're watching Magic Mike. Give us that. I won't complain. You do this. And I'm just like, what are you doing? Like, do you even get what this movie is? um Especially because there's such a long section of this film where there's no dancing. We're here for that. That's why we're here. But I've said a lot. What did you think, Matt? Are you on, on my side, or are you a fan of this movie?
1: Oh no, yeah. I, I, as somebody like you who thought the first two films were very decent, this blows, man. <laughs> it's really stank. Um, there are some good parts aside the that kind of opening dance, uh, that choral that that lap yep. dance, excellent. The the final dance, the last dance, excellent. <laughs> yeah, really yep. good. You know, um, but I have a point on that shortly. Everything in between can just everything we could just go i mean there was so much in this which i Mm -hmm. just did not vibe with channing tatum as i mentioned uh where in my magic mike kind of revisit just now my retrospective channing tatum is just he's just such a likable dude he's got such a great presence about him he's great he's very good in this film and and his dancing is insanely good you know he's this guy has moves for days selma hayek at times is good in this film and at others she can't sell the the, the crappy line she's been asked to, to, to say nobody i don't can. know if
0: anybody could though yeah exactly bad
1: dialogue yeah and i felt for her because some of the stuff she had to talk about like it, it, artistry and ecstasy i thought what the hell is going on what am i watching um but yeah and and, and like, like you like you that it felt like it this should have been a home run the first two films Whilst maybe the first one was better, they were good. They set up. They had this. They had solid premise, and there was a through line I could see here. This doesn't feel like that through line. This doesn't feel like the logical end for this trilogy to me, anyway. Because kind of like what you said, that you know, Mike Lane doesn't really want to do this. You know, he's like you say. He he has no he has no choice. He has every choice, and he tries to get out of it, like you said, but. You know, he's got debts to pay, so he decides to do it, and he wings it, and he kind of even says that he says it to his to some people on a Zoom call. Uh, that he's basically winging it. That was the most realistic part. Actually, was the Zoom call. You know, the it was glitching. So yeah, that reminds me of every Zoom call I've ever had is somebody's already got bad internet. Um, the the uh, the co- the grating commentary throughout the literal commentary narration. Oh God, about dance society the like correlation between society dance how does that fit in with Mike's relationship with Max i was like even that last part i was like i don't really see how you can connect the dots here because this is a stretch uh, and the film ha- made me actively hate british people as well i said oh, this man. before mm. i said this before some there are a subsection of British people in films, which just, I cannot vibe with. I cannot get behind. Um, Juliet Matamid especially was nauseating to me in this, when she was comparing the, the, the final performers. I thought this, none of this feels natural. It feels very much like acting and it's not funny. It's performative. I've got, and, um, and, and and it's this very kind of, it is this kind of uh, Americanized way of talking, which some people put on. And I can't, I don't like it. It's noticeable. Um, And I didn't like that character in those moments. I don't really like many of the characters in many moments, really. Um, At one point... Okay, I'm not going to do any spoilers. At one point during the finale because of the attire that Channing Tatum was wearing and the move that he pulled off, I genuinely thought he was about to deliver a power bomb to his dance partner. Oh and, yeah. 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 And more, more than once. In fact, I was like, God damn it. Oh, by God, he's killed her. As J.R. would say, Dude, um,
0: I almost, I had to like silence myself in theater. Cause I want to be like power bomb. Yeah, like thank I was, you. it's not just
1: me. Excellent. <laughs> um, what else? Uh, I, uh, I've heard from many trusted sources online that, this film basically just plays as a big old advert for the stage show, Magic Mike Live, including a mm. dance which is lifted f- directly from that show and adapted oh. for the screen. Uh, maybe one of the ones you've already mentioned, John.
0: Um, I did not know that, but I do know, I did read that Shannon Tatum helped choreograph the live show. So, like, it's still his
1: Yeah, it's still work. his, and, you know, fair play yeah. he's proud of it. You know, get, let even more people see it because i imagine the percentage of people who see magic might live on stage versus the amount who are going to see it in theater i haven't got the box office numbers but i imagine there's a fairly big uh, difference between those um imagine so and yeah just like you mentioned that things move far every obstacle in this film was overcome so quickly so quickly or forgotten about in order just to We're get forgotten to the, about yeah just to get to yeah. that last dance and it's it's noticeable. It's noticeable that the the screenplay here is so thin. It is unbelievably yeah. wafer thin. That there's they they just want to get to the dance. And in between that, there's a lot of nothing going on, including no dancing. And look, I un I I really respect the direction or the the theme or the message that Soderbergh and the team wanted to put along here. I I generally do. You know, they, this is more uh, a film about ethics uh virtues morality which is great which is fine and welcome but here john in this film maybe even in this franchise it just feels a bit limp you know no pun intended it just feels a bit toothless
0: yeah exactly because again i'm all for those themes if that's the movie great but it's done badly and that's that's my issue it's like i don't care which movie? like my objection is not that i didn't get the movie that i wanted it's that the movie that you gave us is bad and you have <laughs> yeah. so many like clear paths to greatness that you just like neglected and that's what annoys me it, more than anything with this particular series especially because of who the filmmaker is
1: yeah yeah i mean it's like what was his last film kimmy that was fine last year i love like kimmy yeah i thought it was decent um but yeah uh magic mike's last dance the, it's bookended by two excellent dances. I, I can't knock the choreography. I, okay. I, I said up top, this blows. It does. But every, every scene of dancing in this, whether it's the training montages or the, or the finale, not just the big finale, all of the dancing is great. You know, it, it, everything about this in terms of the performances, uh, the, the actual dancing performances are superb, you know, shout out to the choreographers on this film. Fantastic job. Um, but everything around that he, even Mike's kind of relegated for part of the film just to being backstage um yeah i you know I, I didn't care about the the subplots i didn't care about the 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 family drama that was going on throughout i just didn't like it. and it, even the, the film even opens when when we get to london they've literally just done b-roll in one of those cheap um tourist shops so there's like welcome to london mugs he's a he's a he's a london t-shirt he's a london fridge magnet he's a london pair of underwear i was like what is this indicative of is this london to the world in order to show people what london is you've got to just show the tacky merch you get in the in the shops which are a dime a dozen in in the west end but
0: i mean i'll uh, give you that but let's be real how many new york scenes is the i love new york shirts and the yeah, pizza good. boxes and the statue of liberty uh figurines like So
1: um what's it desensitized to it now when it uh, when it comes to london it, it, it sticks out more but you know yeah. what i of uh, a point conceded friend
0: <laughs> I mean, I don't think you're wrong either. I'm just saying like, it's a, it's a, it's a very tropey thing. It's probably because those shops don't care if we film that or they take it as free advertising. I don't know. Cause it, it, it is a frequent thing where you just see like the tourist things and it would make sense if mike was like buying tourist stuff but he never does there's no like him like excited that he's in he doesn't even seem like he wants to be in london you
1: said the words out of my mouth i was gonna say he, he looked like he couldn't give a damn that he's in london yeah, yeah. like if
0: i was in london i'd be like it would be like joey and friends uh i don't know if you ever saw when they go to the Lond- for london not. for the wedding but joey's like all in on tourism he's buying like a big goofy hat like the cat in the hat hat but it's the british flag like that would be yes. me because I would be so Spot hyped on. to be in London. I would be like, if, you and I would be doing like the Laverne and Shirley opening, like skipping through like all of the cool London areas. Because I'm and like, that... Well. yeah, yes. Um, <laughs> my, my but that's not this movie either. Mike is not excited that he's in London. He, he's not in love with her, but he is in love with her. Like, yeah, that, blo- that, that
1: was. That the movie was feels loose
0: as non committal to its own plot th- as the characters do to each other. And that is what's upsetting to me because again i one listeners we're 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 nitpicking a lot of stuff it's still pretty watchable to be honest because you do have it's fluff. two gorgeous people both of them right like both people are gorgeous oh, they are and they're both older, which I kind of appreciate that they're, they look like when Channing says that he's 40, I'm like, shut up. And then mm. I found he's actually 42. Yeah, he's he's yeah. two years older than me. And that's not okay. Cause in my whole <laughs> life, I've thought he was younger than me. And I was okay with him looking like that. Cause he was younger than me. The fact that he's two years older than me is so upsetting to yeah, me it, like, when your I'm workout
1: like, routine puts this to shame.
0: No, clearly it doesn't because I do not look like that. And I, I'm also though I want to shout out to Shanning he, when he lifts his shirt up and he doesn't have a six pack. Yes, yes. I was like, he looks like a he still looks like a god, but he doesn't look like the the normal like because in the other movies he's ripped and yeah. he didn't. He was like, no, this movie I he's Mike's not stripping, so he's not working out nonstop. You know, he's let his he hasn't let his body go. But okay. So many things. I mean, we've we've spent a lot of time on this more than we usually do. One again, listener, I think it's a very watchable movie. So don't take it as don't see it, but know that there is so many things that are are weak and bad about it that it's not fair that those dance moments are so entertaining almost. But
1: I, I mean, on that, I I would I, I I'm hard pressed to recommend this film. It, it, yes, in the context of the magic Mike trilogy i think this is such yeah. a step down if you yeah, want I
0: completely agree if
1: you want a, a fun night out maybe go see this film but john you said you sort of have a packed audience and i can imagine how much of a kind of party atmosphere this was dude i only for when- those
0: two moments though Oh, but, okay they- fair enough
1: yeah i mean when i saw it this is gonna sound awful but i'm gonna say it, the the crowd were getting into it in a way that it was real and it was there and kind of whooping and hollering and i thought oh god this is this is cr- cringing me out more than what i thought ah. it was um and i and i would say this very i definitely would say the same if it is a group of lads uh catcalling women on yes. stage if they were dancing it's just i don't care who it is it maybe it's just my mood that day but i thought how can you after what we've just been subjected to mate? actually, no, I take that back. I fully respect them for that reason. After what we've just been subjected to for them to still kind of find those levels of energy and passion at the very end to come through and holler fair play. They, they stuck it out to the bitter end of this one.
0: Now, the last thing I want to talk about, and this is, this is a, it's just, this scene I think is maybe indicative of, of a bigger problem, but they're on the plane. First class. They cl- cut in insert shot close-up of Mike picking cucumbers off of a cucumber sandwich. Yes. And Selma Hayek goes, what are you doing? He's like, I don't F with vegetables. He Uh-oh. says the actual word. Yes. And then she makes a joke like, how do you get that body? And he's like, genetics. But here's my thing. Here's my thing, Matt. This is what bothers me so much. What is he going to eat, Matt? Is he going to eat the bread? And butter. With the- with the thing on yeah well that's the thing matt cucumber sandwiches have a wide variety of recipes is it mayonnaise is it butter is it an herbal spread because i've read that that's a common thing but why is he picking the cucumbers off the sandwich matt yeah. what kind of crazy like they don't have anything cucumber. else on the first class flight that he's picking cucumbers <laughs> off the sandwich. what and i think
1: this what? is a private jet as well so there's high it's, chance it looks like she, it. she there's could have no been one else there before what don't you eat
0: oh vegetables
1: fine here's a steak
0: yeah, snuck you yourself out so because that's the thing like you pick you you pick lettuce off a sandwich that has meat on it because you're gonna still eat the meat you pick cucumbers off of bread is mike gonna eat the bread
1: it's a bread sandwich
0: <laughs> yeah like what is he doing and again is it a funny joke yeah i guess but i left the theater going is he gonna eat mayonnaise bread or like again I, i'm not 100 I've, I've had cucumber sandwiches they're delicious it's i was nice. sh- surprised at how and i i eat a lot of cucumbers now for a long time i also did not f with vegetables matt uh mike and i don't look the same just pointing that out but um no, yeah right thank you uh for lying completely uh no matter how kind you can be Matt, there's some things that are just blatantly not true <laughs> well, but i tried we are uh, both from florida though T- tatum and i um, yes
1: you are uh last uh, thing the the waiter the butler the waiter the pa the assistant victor? i liked yes he was fun i, I enjoyed him in this i time. did like victor
0: I was, I was wondering if he was one of the British things when you were talking about the British character, cause he is I like the stuffy old, <laughs> I also very much like Victor. Um, he got a lot of my laughs. I also, I actually like the daughter outside of the narration stuff. There's a few moments where I thought it was kind of touching. It doesn't make sense in the plot, like why she's involved <laughs> any of that. It never really pays off, um, but there's, we'll get what, into one moment
1: where they try to make it pay off. And I was like, this, 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 this I, I, I've never felt so unemotive in my life. <laughs> than that moment but uh, yes that's for spoilers
0: yeah and there's so many plot things that i want to nitpick more but again i think (laughs) we've talked enough about it we we think it could have been so much better especially because the first two movies are so good um that said still two phenomenal dance numbers but you could technically just wait and i'm sure they're gonna be on youtube sooner than later where you can just watch the dance sequences um and that's probably all you need to be honest so that's our review of uh magic mike's last dance it is magic mike's apostrophe s last dance it's not even magic mike colon last dance like they went all in on this this is a different title structure another problem with this franchise to be honest is the the naming conventions they are oh, yeah. inconsistent um this should have been like i guess triple xl or maybe he's down a size because he's like not dancing as much as like xl but
1: maybe so. But he has got a six-pack anymore so
0: um, I, I actually don't understand the name of the second movie either, to be honest. Uh, it, it makes zero sense it's outside of the fact um, <laughs> he's not bigger. Anyways, uh, that's our review of Magic Mike's Last Dance. We are down on it. We are not recommending it, um, unless you are a dire fan and you just can't resist the Tatum and Hayek pull. Um, let's move to our next segment, Choffed Headlines. This is movie or pop culture news that caught our attention. Uh, Matt and I scour the interwebs to try to find something that we are uh intrigued by so we can discuss it on the show matt what headline did you find for us today Uh,
1: i found a very interesting one my friend this comes from variety uh by zach scharf the headline is steven spielberg is very happy he rejected harry potter director offer saying i sacrificed a great franchise to be with family now this all comes from an interview that variety set up between steven spielberg and the rrr director ss rajamuli which it's a really oh. cool half an hour interview between the two of them just talking about their experiences uh, or more as as's you know, asking Spielberg of his as well because it's Spielberg man isn't it but um but in it they're talking about f- how they balance life and art and St- Steven Spielberg kind of just dropped in there that there's been a few times where he's had to make a decision for based on family because clearly family first for him and one of them he says was he turned down. The chance to direct the first Harry Potter film, the the Philosopher's Stone or the Sorcerer's Stone for our American friends, he turned that down. Obviously, Christopher Columbus eventually directed that, but he turned that down so he could spend more time with uh, his his wife uh, and his and his young family. They just started a family, and he had would have had to move to London for five or six months. So, like Channing Tatum, he wouldn't have been very happy to have been there. Uh, but so instead, he just I think he did AI uh setting and, it, and that was in los angeles but it's a very interesting story uh the just 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 the fact they drop drops it so matter-of-factly within this uh very very cool discussion uh he says kate Capshaw and i started raising a family and we started having children the choice i had to make was taking a job that would move me to another country for four or five months where i wouldn't see my family every day that was a ripping kind of experience uh and on the harry potter franchise he says uh, i'd sacrificed a great franchise which today looking back i'm very happy to have done to be with my family now i've watched a video the context wasn't him saying god damn looking back they were awful i'm so glad i dodged a bullet no he's you know he mm-hmm. said this is a this is a great franchise but you know looking back i wouldn't try to change everything because i got to watch you know my seven kids grow up because of it East, he uh, East Spielberg may have only done the first, hypothetically, but they may have said, "Come on, Stephen, here's a boatload of cash. Can you do the next two I mean, for us?" And then that's four, four, five, six years of his life and his kids' life gone. But I thought it was very interesting what with the ambling and the Spielberg effect. How a how would this have worked? It's so interesting to think of a Stephen Spielberg Harry Potter film because in my I head think-
0: it works it works really well yeah, um, i it never works. even thought it, i never thought that was an option so hearing that is mind-boggling especially when chris columbus is a journeyman filmmaker and i have always argued spielberg as an auteur even though some people don't think that because he's a commercial filmmaker but he's he's spielberg you you just described. you know a spielberg film And you just you just the, know I don't think he would be right for the entire franchise. No, no. no. I think he would be very right for the first two movies, though. I think there's a lot of sentimentality in those first two films that would <laughs> ride up his alley. You wonder what um, kind
1: of performance he could have got out of the three kids because, uh, 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 as good as they've all become as actors in the first film, it's it's almost like pulling teeth trying to watch them. Second film, not much better. And I feel, I do feel saying that because last week we had we we discussed the Razzies um razzing on on kids performances i think uh, that's you know putting them up for an award to say you were the worst performer of the whole year that's different Wrong. than saying well okay these, also, these kids were a bit of a slog to get through because we would also say the same of adults
0: but we're talking about this in hindsight too right like they've all their careers have proven yes. that they're talented and i'm sure they um, say the same yeah and, and if if daniel radcliffe is listening uh i am a huge fan i've i've seen all of your indie stuff Come i think you're show. fantastic um and rupert grant uh you were incredible in, in Knock at the Cabin I haven't seen you in anything else um and uh um emma watson emma, emma watson you might need a new agent cuz you keep getting some really uh crappy scripts yes. uh, the last few things i've seen you And maybe you're not getting guided correctly cuz that's i feel like that's the big difference between grant and, and Radcliffe and her she's done a lot more mainstream stuff and a lot of the mainstream stuff has been
1: the bad. Kind of indie stuff she's done has been very decent though
0: yep i agree with that what i've seen of the indie stuff uh and the thing is we forget she's in little women
1: yeah yes, yeah, she is <laughs> jesus i had forgotten about that
0: yeah and it's because there's so much other talent in, and and she's got kind of the bland character in that movie so that's not it's not her performance that's forgettable it's that character like there's so much other stuff because you got saoirse ronan's character is obviously the lead florence pew character takes so much of the second act. Of Scanlan's in there as well and then well what happens to her you know um which she's I'm so afraid Eliza Scanlon's going to be the new Sean Bean but you know um <laughs> she's such a good actress as well she's so good but so, Sean Bean's a good actor but they just get typecast in a specific type of role trying not to spoil it uh, if you haven't seen Little Women but um but yeah man Spielberg with kid actors though like i mean he's how many times has he crushed that Yeah. Uh, between like you yeah. look at obviously ET but Jurassic Park um and then uh, AI even I uh, granted to be Haley Joel Osment is a weird phenomenon where he was a incredible child actor um but still spielberg gets a, a weird performance out of him that works for the movie but it's such a you know distinct it's performance very,
1: very odd i mean I, I i can only now dream of a a spielbergian harry potter film how 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 different or at all would would hogwarts feel the interactions um how kind of magical because to me whatever we think about some of the performances in those films for me the magic is there the magic is there you know there is a i get there's a kind of warm fuzzy feeling you get when you watch the potter films so i wonder what spielberg could have done to add to that but i do believe he could have maybe elicited some stronger performances and maybe uh, maybe kind of had a little say in some of the dialogue here and there. Not to say he always hits it out of the park in terms of the screenplays he he uses, but yeah. Uh, uh, but but I I thought the first Potter film was a. I, I like the first Potter film. The second one, Me I too. think, was a very wobbly. But I've I've been. I don't right like thought, the second one. Oh really. I've said on this show many moons ago that I th- I still think Potter the franchise There's eight films the harry potter films let me just be specific not the fantastic movies. i don't think there's a bad harry potter film i think there's eight films or however many there are seven eight films which are are strong it, you know it's a such a strong through line and you and you feel that through line from part one to deathly hallows part two you feel that progression where you grow with the character and with the story and with the warner brothers logo decaying you know, I, I think it's such a strong, consistent franchise, even though it's got different directors throughout. I think that's the most impressive thing is throughout that they've managed to keep that vision. Um But yeah, I, the magic's there. The second one is a bit ropey, but I, I, it's watchable. So uh, yeah, I'd have loved to have seen, uh, I would have loved to have seen a Spielbergian Harry Potter film. I'd also like to know what house he thinks he'd belong in.
0: Ah, i mean gryffindor Surely, like, surely i mean i can't i mean the only maybe hufflepuff because he's got a little bit of the the hufflepuff vibe in my opinion as a as a hufflepuff member as a um, yourself i don't know
1: what yeah. i've I really ever done my i've been to the harry potter studio tour in in london this is it well i went about literally 10 years ago now and it was excellent i know it's got considerably bigger since then I, so i wonder if i could go there and find out just what house I would have been sorted into. Cause I'm really excited tonight. I uh, generally am quite interested tonight. You've
0: never done the online, uh,
1: sort I mean, I've seen some, but I mean, I'm, I'm an official guy. I, I need it to be an but official. No, There's
0: an official, uh, I mean, now yeah. it's, it's connected to JK Rowling, but yeah, it's an official, like, uh, <laughs> sorting. I'll have to get the link. I haven't done it in a while, Please. but it's, it's official. Um, you do a, a t- it's still a, a test. So you can kind of, if you know the houses, you can kind of sway the survey, well, but if I'll you take be it as, honest legit, as possible, yeah. Yeah. Um that's so why I am a Hufflepuff because of that test um, there we go. which it it fits to be honest as much as I I would love to be like Gryffindor but I'm not that's not my Gryffindor. personality I'm not, I'm not I'm not heroic um uh, yes you are my friend but uh, but yeah so, that, that was my story my friends uh, I love Spielberg, and, uh, obviously so good call. Um, I was not like often. I have to go looking for a headline specifically for the segment. This one mm-hmm. popped up and I was, I was so thrown by the actual headline. Cause I was like, wait, what? Cause it says Berlin jury president, C- Kristen Stewart declares movies will never go away, but jokes about being a loser on naming great filmmakers. And I'm like, <laughs> is this the Kristen Stewart? like, like twilight, Bella, Kristen Stewart, like personal shot. Is that what? And so I had to go to the article and yeah, it's her she's the she's the president of the berlin jury president jury president of the berlin film festival nice. this year and i'm like that's okay i why i still am confused but i like the quote cuz i'm like i want more people talking about like cause so many people are talking about the industry dying or films dying i think we are in need of an overhaul of the industry myself that yes. we don't need 200 but 200 million dollar budgeted films every time the 10 to 15 to 20 million dollar film budget should come back. It, they they're basically non-existent at this point. Yeah. The few well, the, the studios that are doing them blockbuster. Yeah, cuz everything doesn't have to be CGI fest. We love a good story and that's what she's ultimately saying in this uh, article. She was asked by a lot of press and she says um take a look at take a quick glance at your rearview mirror. We have never stopped telling each other stories. And I love that sentiment right away, but and she she kristen Stewart's it she kind of like fumbles and there's a lot of du- like uh double negatives and things that kind of like you can tell she's trying to like come up with these intellectual answers um and apparently like someone asked her what her favorite international films and she doesn't really have a good response um and she's like i don't want to take up time sitting here fumbling around for reaching for titles and filmmakers i'm so sorry i don't have like the greatest answer to your question but i do kind of want to unpack the libraries of everyone sitting next to me um obviously you and I have invest a lot of time in exploring as many films as possible. And we try to be diverse and we try not we like we both rewatch things, but we also try to always add new stuff. And I almost feel guilty if I rewatch because I'm like, well, there's a thousand films I've never seen. And yes. here I am watching Shaun of the dead for the 50th time, you know, like um yet there's something I, sometimes you need the rewatch. Uh, but I I really appreciate the sentiment of this. Cause I think, we're so quick to look at box office and say movies are dead. And I do I do think we're watching a transition period. And for us, we've talked about this, I don't know how many times now at the, on this podcast. The idea of theaters not existing does upset me. I, I like going to the movies. And it's looking more and more like that's going to become harder to do or maybe not as frequent or again, maybe just have fewer options. Like right now there's multiplexes all over the place. Maybe we're going to go back to the, the art house theaters being the only theaters, right? They have one screen, Mm -hmm. they have one movie for a month. And if that ends up happening, I'll still take it, you know, but I don't think movies are dying in the sense that the stories are going to stop telling. I mean, because if movies are dying, TV is thriving Um, and streaming Streaming content is thriving. Streamers are dying, Uh, and people aren't talking about that enough, that most of the streaming services are not making profits. Um, yes. That's a problem. That's a concern, but that's an industry problem. The act of storytelling, and to her point, isn't going anywhere because yeah, we've always that, yeah. told stories. When movies didn't exist, we wrote them down, and before writing, we shared them verbally. Like It has always... Been because we like to be entertained, and stories are relatable. They're entertaining. They're how we teach kids to do the right thing. And they're not going anywhere. Will they change form or change style? Of course. That's, but that's always been. We, we have this doomsday mindset where everything is just gone versus change, right? Like as if change means death. And that is a flawed way of viewing what's happening. And I hope we, Hollywood will shift and adjust in other industries as well. But Hollywood being the, the beacon of most of the the movie world, when we think about it, I really hope we get back to like more variety. Uh, not everything needing to be an existing IP original properties are great. A lot of them have been very successful. Um, I, I personally hope we don't get into a skin and you know, era where that's all we're getting. <laughs> but, um, but I wouldn't push it away either. I just I may not watch as many, but I would encourage let's make movies, let's make stories, let's let people share their stories. And that's what I love about film festivals. And that's the thing. While theaters aren't doing well, festivals seem to be doing better because they are opening up the opportunity for more people to see those movies by putting them online. Yeah, something some. that we have not seen. Some and but i am afraid it's gonna start going away again because of COVID being you know loosened up and everything. And I think that's a mistake because we want filmmakers, especially want people to see their movies. Some maybe just want money, but like we, we reviewed millennium bugs a couple weeks ago. Alejandro isn't expecting to get a, a million dollars from millennium bugs. Would he be happy if it happened? Of course. of course, who wouldn't be happy to get rewarded for the things you do, but he's most concerned with people getting to see his art. And that's, why I do this podcast is I want to encourage people to seek out art and every once in a while we will come across a movie that we don't consider to be artful, but how many times have we been surprised by something that is? And I love that like Stewart doesn't need to be the jury president of a film festival in Berlin. She's fine. She's doing it because she has a passion for the art just because she's not going to be able to sit there and recite all the movie titles, I don't care. That's my nerdiness. That's how my brain works. People's brains retain different information, but she has a passion for the craft, and that's in her filmography. You see that. And so I was really, I was excited to see someone like her st- saying something like that. I think that more more and more we need to hear actors defending the art and, and t- talking about it as an art. So I don't know what your thoughts are on that, Matt. Sorry to go on a soapbox again, but No, no, I always
1: enjoy hearing your your tangents, my friend. Yeah, no film film as an art is never gonna go away. you you'll never be able to there'll never come a time in history ever where people down tools and say, as one, we're not gonna tell a story anymore. That's never gonna happen. But of course it's the storytellers now face how are they gonna get their voice out there, how are they gonna get their stories told there will always be avenues uh, in terms of maybe YouTube if they can do or other streaming services like that before we even move into the kind of premium streaming sphere, HBO, Disney, Apple and things like that. But theaters, I mean, it it seems like every month you hear that one of the major changes either in administration or they're, they're going to be bought out or they're facing liquidation. And, a lot of this is the post covid bump or during covid as well and we've had some success stories top gun maverick avatar the way of water to name but two Jurassic world dominion as well let's throw that in there money wise you know there have been big hitters but the pandemic had such a huge effect on the industry that you'd like to think that as a whole the industry could look at itself and say this model is not sustainable we have films john which make Films that make 500 million, 600 million, even 800 million, some a billion, and they're not profitable. They are not bringing in profit because of how much it costs to make, how much it costs to reshoot, how much it costs to market this thing. It's not just sustainable to have a, a mid-level film make 400, 500 million dollars, and it makes a loss. And it's losing the studio money, which uh, and uh, but by doing so, they've also hiked up ticket prices to be able to uh, to be able to justify these uh, box these uh, Mm. budget film budgets. It is not sustainable, so something has to happen. I I piped up earlier on, like the sixty million dollar blockbuster. Great, let's let's get back to that. I remember in the eighties or more so the nineties where you'd have the summer blockbusters. You'd have a couple of summer blockbusters, which were your spectacle films. And then in amongst that, you'd have maybe some animated, as in you'd have animated films, you and then you'd have the drama film, the comedy films would come out, the, uh, the sports films, whatever. We're so lucky in a way, but cursed to live in a time where we have so many films coming out. We have so many films that uh, a film like Dune can come out, do really well sweep the Oscars within a week or two. Something else has come out, which is of a similar size. People are talking about that two weeks later, that film's forgotten about the legacies aren't being built anymore because we're just chasing. We're chasing the dollar, the pound, the sterling. It yeah. has to change. Studios surely must be able to see that re reshaping their model can actually bring them more money whilst meaning they have less of an output. I mean, look at Blumhouse, for example, without meaning to turn us into a studio war. Look at Blumhouse. They make their films yep. and nothing. And they consistently rake in 10 times that amount. They'll, they'll put a film out for 1 million or, th- or 3 million and they'll make 10 million, 20 million back, 30 million. And that, you yeah, know, that, that is a, that is a structure which is workable. That is manageable. That is sustainable. Some of the films are abysmal that's not the point the point is they still make money because they know how they get the right people in the right places to make the right films and sometimes you have a hit i don't see why certain films come out i mean indiana jones is apparently 300 million dollars his budget is that is a a 300 million for an indiana jones film come on come on i mean they weren't they weren't spending that much in the 80s even even with inflation but um yeah, I agree with Christian Stewart and I agree with you that it's great to see, you know, Christian Stewart in her position as uh, jury president of the Berlin Festival, come out and say, you know, film isn't going anywhere, film, exactly. film will never die, and I, I love hearing that. And some of our, fa- I, I speak for myself, but I know you've you've found some gems as well. Some of my my slash our favorite films of the last few years have come from from festivals as well. So there are you know fil- there are excellent films out there. It's just getting them out they're just getting distribution studios will look at a film sometimes from a Sundance or a South by Southwest or Tribeca Fantasia okay oh, yeah. hey it's getting buzz but will it make any money and that is the mindset we're in at the minute we've it, uh, not to go on too much but the studios have always been about making money i'm not stupid i'm not naive and blind but sometimes you just want to see a good film john whether it costs 250 million dollars or 250 dollars sometimes exactly i just want to see the film And I don't care about the box office. I just wish there were more avenues for films to be picked up. But films are never going away. So that is a win.
0: Exactly, folks. And that is our headlines for the week. With that, uh, we're going to move into our segment of media consumption movies tv video games music podcasts etc that we use to pass the time between recordings because we gotta you know keep things alive so matt what have you been consuming since the last time we recorded
1: uh uh, consuming uh quite a lot of fruity drinks i'll say that right now non-alcoholic fruity drinks uh been enjoying those an awful lot and tea and water but in terms of media uh, I haven't really had a chance to listen to many podcasts again this week. More so because I've had uh, my daughter out here, so obviously the days are busy. And come the evening, I'm watching something usually. But I, where where I have been able to, I've caught up with a nightmare. Sorry, Nightmare on Film Street, Double Toasted, um, and the Dead Meat Podcast. The Usuals. I haven't listened to the uh, Happy and Fuse podcast this week. It is with uh, Mark Marone so i'll catch up on that uh on my next journey but uh other than that i have watched i've watched a few films i've watched puss in boots john puss in boots the last wish i went to see that at the cinema this week i took my daughter to see it um i i loved it i had such fun with this film um it's it's currently it currently sits at number one of the year for me obviously we're very early in uh but I had such such a good time, John. It's such I like like you said. It's such a heartfelt film. It's funny. It's funny. It works on an animated funny film for kids, uh, with with great messages with it with throughout. But there's a lot of heart. There's a lot of emotion and f- almost swore. The goddamn I'll say that villain in this film. Jesus Christ! My my door almost yeah. almost cacked herself. She almost she, she was so scared when uh, every time he'd come on, he'd hear the whistling. And you're like, you felt this as a 30 something year old man. I felt the dread when you heard the whistle, the way this villain, this wolf was was framed in shock and posted it on screen the way he, you know, the way they captured him. Such an effective villain. Like One of the best villains I've seen in years was 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 this one. Um, yeah, Puss in Boots. The last the last wish I thought was uh, I thought I thought was excellent, John. Uh, I also saw the son, the the Florian Zeller uh, prequel to the father, and uh, I wasn't quite as glowing about this film. In fact, I didn't really think it was all that good. Um, I went to see it uh, a late showing, and I I liked the father. I thought it was very. I thought the father was very decent, uh, and had a very good well now Academy award-winning turn from Anthony mm. Hopkins. Uh, and he has that one scene, which absolutely just destroyed me, crushed me in it. The sun though, uh, it, it had none of that for me. I, I, I mean, the performances are fine. I mean, uh, Hugh Jackman's good. Laura Dern is good, but it's just, it was just too middling and too, too melodramatic for me that I just couldn't, I couldn't connect with it, which is a shame because it was one of the films I was looking forward to seeing, uh, in this first quarter of 2023. Um, so that's, they the only films I've watched this week. Uh, I caught up with the last of us episode five, um, which I know you have as well for me. I thought episode five was, was good. I thought it was a step up from last week. Episode four was, that was a, it was a solid episode. I think episode five was a step up, uh, still not quite on the par of one, two, and three, but it was a very deep, very good step up. Um Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll speak to you about that one in a minute, John. And okay. I know you've been watching this as well, but I watched Andor episode 10. I know you're not quite there yet. So no spoilers for me, but I watched episode 10 because I love it. I took frankly, it's such, it's an excellent episode, especially when you ride the wave of the, the episodes before it, because and, or as we said, it's arc based storytelling. E- e- every three episodes constitutes an arc. You've got to start, middle and end. Sometimes that can be, um, glaringly obvious sometimes it can actually be restrictive in terms of the storytelling when it's essentially one long film that they've cut into three parts by the time you get to episode 10 i was like this is this is just fantastic this is like transcendent star wars television this is the best star wars has been for for, for, for a decades so i wanted to go back and watch that and i was i was in i was in awe of that one again but um and kind of uh, inspired by your audio book listening last week, John, where you were listening to, uh, the cabin at the end of the war. cabin. I was about to say last house on the left, the cabin at the end of the woods. Um, I, I, I bought the, uh, Jeff Vandermeer novel, Annihilation, obviously, which was in, uh, Paramount and Netflix picked up for the Alex Garland film. Um, I picked that up from my local bookstore when olivia my daughter was looking for books i saw that and i thought you know that's a good price I'll, i I want to see how different this is from garland's vision and i know it's part of this uh southern reach trilogy the second book i think is called authority and then I think the third one's called acceptance so i thought oh, yeah, i'm gonna I, I want to read the book i want to i want to see how jeff vandermeer's voice echoes against garland's voice and vision and, I, and i'm enjoying it very kind of heavy storytelling but i'm enjoying it so far so i kind of inspired by you be like book and whereas I, I would have got an audio book but i i picked up the book for for cheaper so i went that way jb but other than that i haven't had uh all the time in the world essentially necessarily to be consuming too much so when i have i've been fairly selective but uh, what about you john what have you been checking out
0: Um, So I, as per usual, listen to the Blank Check podcast. Uh, They also cover Knock at the Cabin because um, they don't do new movies necessarily, but if they've uh, done the director before, they will add that episode. So they did – M. Night Shyamalan was their first director after – because the show started as a Star Wars show and then um, became about director series, and so M. Night was their first. Um, So we got Knock at the Cabin episode, very, very good episode of the show. Uh, They – mostly actually we were positive on it the the david sims who is the um film critic for the uh oh the i forgot the name of the the atlantic. atlantic yeah it it wouldn't come to me um uh he he liked it more than the rest of the the people um but it was still a really good episode fun listening to their thoughts on it some of them echo our thoughts um uh but then um i also watched uh andor episode 4 and 5 um, I'm definitely liking the show. I, I really love uh Cassian as a character. I think he's really compelling. Uh you get some incredible performances um in that as well. Um and then uh Last of Us Episode 5, I am in love with the show. I think there's some really yeah, great yeah, stuff in episode five where you get to see uh Joel really start to like you you just see him becoming the fatherly figure we know he is if you've played the games. And it's all in Pedro's very subtle performance moves, like little little gestures, little mannerisms that like indicate how much he's really, you know, becoming the father to Ellie, and really, really enjoying. And I think um, I I forget the name of Ellie's actress, uh, but she's tremendous. Yeah. I had not I, I did I watched Game of Thrones through season six. I don't know when she's on there. I don't remember her from that show. Uh, no offense to her. Liana
1: Mormont, I think her character's called.
0: I don't remember much of that show at all at this point, to be <laughs> fair. Um but uh I think she's she's really owning Ellie and it it yeah. it's incredible. Um so yeah, can't wait for episode six. I'm a little bummed because we got to see episode five on Friday because of the Super Bowl. So now I have to wait, like, nine days to see the next episode, and I'm like, hey, HBO, can't you just make him Friday now? Like, you already yeah, moved yeah. it once. Just well, just I give it to that, us on Friday.
1: the finale falls on the same night as the Oscars, so I wonder if they'll try move that forward.
0: They probably aren't as worried about the rating uh, yeah, an battle there.
1: They probably have a um, higher, higher audience stake.
0: But, so, uh, and I've, I've still, I've, my weekends are, are playing lots of God of War, uh, Ragnarok, nice. I'm loving that game so, so much. Um, but, uh movies i i didn't watch as many movies but i did catch um i don't know if if, if you're familiar with the stand-up comedian nate bargazzi uh, i'm not uh, no. I, I highly recommend you check out uh, any of his specials actually i've loved every special of his i've seen um he's he's one of the comedians he works clean uh so he is family friendly um he's a kind of like self-defacing comedian you know he kind of like makes fun of himself yes yeah, so I, I find him, him so funny uh he's got so many good bits um this new series uh, the new stand-up special is on uh, amazon prime called hello world um and he has like like th- i see him on my tiktok all the time he pops up i have a lot of stand-up pop up on tiktok so um i'm a huge fan of his and i i realized he had a new special so I was like, oh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna watch it his uh he did one during covid where he's like it's outside show um but that special is also really great i don't remember what that one was called but it's it's like it's in 2021. I think it drops because he filmed it during COVID. Uh, like, you know, it was one of the first shows back. So like they yes. took precautions. It's outside. There's like a helicopter flying over at one point. He brings that into the joke. Cause it's, it's messing with the show, but it's what it is. Um, but yeah, if you haven't seen any of his stuff, I highly recommend him. He's great. Super funny. Um, I watched clock watchers. Have you ever heard of this movie? Nope. Two so I'm two. doing the, I'm doing the other filmmaker challenge. Uh, e- each um, each month we get three prompts and one of the prompts this month, I don't even remember what the prompt was for this one, but uh, it's a female director, but dude, the cast in this movie blew me away because I'd never heard of it, never saw it Um, it's from 1997 and it's uh, Toni Collette, like one of the mousiest performances I've ever seen her give where she's this kind of introverted character and it's so good, like her performance is I mean, I'm a huge Tony Collette fan anyways, but it's so good in this movie. Parker Posey, Lisa Kudrow are the other two big names. And then um, the fourth main character is played by Alana Ubach. And I'm, I'm like, I don't know who this is, but I'm watching and I'm like, okay, hold on. I recognize her. And then I place it. She's in the Brady Bunch movie. And she's like, I think she's Marsha's friend. Who's clearly a lesbian, but Marsha doesn't get that because it's the, you know, Marsha's like in the 60s. So that wasn't an option. And I'm like, okay, now I know I recognize her. Cause I, I liked the Brady Bunch movie as a kid. I watched it a lot. Um, clock is definitely worth checking out though. Really interesting movie again, incredible Tony Collette performance, uh, on Hulu next week on the 24th is a movie dropping called bruiser. Um, I, was really taken by this film. I was, uh, it, it, Trevante Rhodes is, um, he's not the main character, but he's a major character in the film. Uh, it's a directorial debut of Miles Warren, um, but it also stars in the center of the film is a, 14 year old Jalen Hall, um, who is, uh, Till in the movie. He's Emmett Till in the movie Till. Um, and he's also in the Space Jam remake that nobody wants to remember it happened. Um, but he's, <laughs> A really good actor and i think this movie really showcases him uh, even more um and uh it's man it's not going to work for everybody but it's one of those quiet contemplative films that if you're into that kind of thing it's really really worth checking out especially because it's gonna be on hulu um and lastly to just throw this out there i did see ant-man and the wasp quantum Manium already we'll be talking about that next week though so i won't talk about it right now you'll have to wait to hear john, what my thoughts are
1: your big tease i, I missed out on the, the the uk or the london well no the uk multimedia screening because of uh fatherly duties which always come first but i will be seeing that film i i did confirm to john i'm seeing it uh, when we record tomorrow night uh a late one in the uk uh, can i ask you a question john about the runtime how long is this film roughly
0: uh 125 minutes so just mm. over two hours
1: yeah we, uh, i'll be home by midnight then okay well, yeah. um, well maybe we'll talk about that film soon i don't know
0: yep and i just while we've been recording i got an invite to see creed 3 next week which is two weeks early so i'm kind That's of stoked very nice. um, i'm hopeful uh that it's i'm gonna like it because i love creed i i was a lot less into creed 2 so i'm not <sighs> sure creed 2. how yeah. much i'm gonna love creed 3 but it's michael it b jordan's fine. debut directorial debut so yeah, big deal
1: without in without Sly Stallone anywhere near this film much to his own chagrin but I oh, mate, dude I'm looking forward to Creed 3 major mainly because Jonathan Majors is in it but Michael B. Yeah. Jordan let's not forget is an exceptional actor as well so you've got two oh, yeah. excellent actors literally squaring up to each other
0: yep and I mean in Majors what a what a month for Majors between Quantum Manium and Creed 3 coming out within two weeks of each other wild uh he's he's got a year
1: and a half ahead of him
0: he really does there's so much coming out with him involved in it um that's pretty much our episode folks except before we go we have to check in on each other to make sure we're doing everything in our power to keep our bloody awesome levels at peak optimal performance matt what are you doing to stay bloody awesome
1: i have uh mentioned it a few times during the episode jb but um do it being a dad this week my friend which is always the uh For me, is always the best job in the whole world, but it's just hard. It's half term, like I say, so the little one is off school. I've taken the week off work, uh, and it's just nice to be able to do things. You know, whether it almost every day we're doing something, whether it's going to watch uh, Pussy Boots and having an excellent time, a great time doing so, uh, and getting popcorn during the afternoon, which is not normal for me. or going to, uh, go, instead of going shopping or going on a road trip or, uh, go doing some pottery, some painting, which she loves doing, uh, or making pizzas, which we did tonight. And it was very nice. Uh, just cool stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like the, 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 the fun stuff, uh, as well as the cleaning up after and all of that cleaning, cleaning up spilt drinks. But it's, you know, it's that kind of it, it, every day and every year is precious. Here I go. I'm going to, I'll get weepy now, but, uh, uh with, with kids, but, when they're my 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 daughter's six and a half so you know doing cool things like this now so she'll remember when she's older when she when when her old man took her to see Puss in Boots in terms of films or Lightyear or DC Super Pets and uh I can't remember what that Lyle Crocodile I can't remember other films but Mm -hmm. um so yeah just doing cool things like that during the week Uh, I don't know what we're doing tomorrow but I'll find something to do that all tire her out so i can make my getaway to watch ant-man and the wasp Quantumania in the evening but you know just spending time uh with my daughter being a dad having a great time doing so as i always do um that's how i've been staying bloody awesome jb but how about yourself
0: uh, I uh, I was adulting and had to uh, oh. shell out some money to get my bathroom remodeled. Oh. Um, we we had some damage to a bathtub. Uh, it It's probably been damaged for far too long. But finally uh, saved up the money and hired a, a handyman, which is always intimidating to me because I'm like, I know I can't do it. I also don't know who I can trust to do. It. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Like, not like even that they have the skills, but they won't rip me off because I don't know how much I yes. should pay you know, I got to trust them with money to go buy the stuff. And so like, there's that whole thing. It's like, well, I'm giving you money. I don't know you. What happens if you don't come back? You know what I'm saying? Like there's that. Um, and I, I found a, uh, a handyman, um, who, if you live in my area, I'm not going to, I don't want to put his name on the podcast because, but if you live in the area and you're looking for a good handyman and you reach out to me, I will gladly share his name because he did a tremendous job. I thought he was really professional. Um, you know, even uh, surprised me with a few things that I was shocked by. Uh, the price, from what I've heard, very very fair, and it's it's hard to know again because I've never had to do stuff like this before, not the scale. Um, and you know, I think I think he did it timely and was always communicating with me. Um, I didn't have to miss work. My daughter and her boyfriend were here uh, while he was working, but anytime he would still message me. But he was also communicating with her. Just. Um it was one of those it was such a stressful build up and so now that it is over, it's I feel very content and happy that I found him and that it it's done. Uh, I took a shower in our new shower last night and it's quite nice. Nice. Um we've had this weak spot in the bathtub where you couldn't like standing there, you kinda felt like you were gonna fall through the floor, which apparently was a real possibility if I hadn't got it <laughs> fixed. Um uh, but uh now I was like showering and I was still like leaning towards the wall where there was not a rabbits, weak spot. Yeah. <laughs> and then I realized that I'm like, you know what? I can step back and like, ah, yes. Okay. Nice. I have the full shower array, So that was nice. But, um, but yeah, so like, you know, being an adult, having to do adult things and spending money that you would rather spend on fun things oh, on things that are necessary. So you don't fall through the, floor of your bathtub so
1: <laughs> yeah we we sit like and as we said off air the actors the true meaning of adulting is putting it off just long enough where you end up yeah. paying more money or where you nearly fall through the bath before you think ah, okay yeah. maybe, maybe now I we'll, take I'll, care I'll, of I'll do yeah. something so yeah exactly
0: Um one day i will hopefully be ahead of something or <laughs> catch it before it goes wrong um that said folks that's our episode uh, we will be back next week to talk about Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumanium, uh, the new Paul Rudd-led, Peyton Reed-directed, uh, Jonathan Majors villain. Um, it's something we'll talk about next week. I won't share if I like it or not <laughs> until then or until you read my review at com. which if you want to follow us, the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast, on socials, you can hit us up on Instagram at Bloody Pod and on Twitter.
1: We are at BAMP underscore podcast B-A-M-P underscore podcast.
0: We are still on Facebook at bloody awesome movie podcast. Just search it up. You'll find us. Uh, you look for our reviews on the tomato meter at rotten tomatoes.com as well. Uh, I think for magic Mike, it's going to be rotten. I think it's our mm-hmm. first rotten I think as a right. podcast. Um, sorry, Channing. It's not personal. We promise. Uh, we love you. Um, Individually you can follow me at burkereviews.com and at burkereviews on all the social media platforms. Matt, where can they find you? You can
1: find me what I watch tonight.co.uk and just search what I watch tonight across all the social the searchals, the socials, and letterboxed.
0: And if you like what we're doing here at the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast, we ask that you take just a moment to give us that five star rating on whatever podcast catcher you use to listen. It helps other people find us. And with that, we encourage you to keep watching movies.
1: And stay bloody awesome.